A little extra studio time and way too much curiosity allowed me to come up with this special list for this year. Yes, this year, 2020 is long gone. Well, two days gone as we record this. But this is the story of how things went down. Top 15 stories, not so much scientific, but top 15 stories that we covered last year within the weekly wrap-up. So coming in mere moments, we'll give you the yearly stories, the top 15 of them. Uh, not so scientific, as I said, but we'll explain that down the line here on the yearly wrap-up with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the year ending 2020. And welcome to the very special show. My name still Jay Cleveland Payne. This is technically still the weekly wrap-up, but this special edition is a yearly wrap-up. We're going to go through the top 15 stories through the year that we presented via the weekly wrap-up show. And there's a little bit of craziness and non-scientificness in this. We'll explain that in just a moment before I go into the countdown. But this is going to be just a special knockoff one-time thing, or once-in-a-year thing we're hoping to come up with. I wanted to do something like this last year. Had a very big, convoluted way of making it happen. Didn't quite work out time-wise. This year came up with a simpler solution. That, as I said, not quite as scientific, so you can call me on some of the things going on there. But you can see what the list is, how the list is, and basically a big chunking list of, of almost a thousand different stories we had posted for the entire year. And these are based on every single week's worth of countdowns. The original thought was to go through and pull the data for a month because the stories can grow over a month and see what happens. And then we decided that was way too much work. So we just took all of the weekly wrap-up of data sheets we had for the entire year, put them together, and then sync those together, line those up based on what they came up in that week. And that way, it's not very fair because some stories gain based on where they were, but that's how we're doing this thing right now. So these stories, not so much based on pure volume, but based on how they place during the weeks of how popular or unpopular they are. We're only going through 15. We're not doing very much in the way of the big engagements and the bump and responses. We'll bring those up just sort of as a way to kind of see where things are going. Uh, but they're not exactly fair because none of these stories are based on the same parameters of week time. So the most important things we'll talk about is when it was posted, mostly the the day and in, in the week it was posted and just how it kind of played on Facebook and Twitter. A couple of these things are very big, super story Facebook stories is how they got so large because uh, Twitter, as we say, Twitter rules the world for our countdowns. But we'll go deeper in those and try not to bog down too much stats. I've already bogged down way too much in the explanation I gave so far. So what you'll hear in a few moments, counting them down from 15 to 1, top 15 stories we have, more or less non-scientific based on the counts per the week, how they performed on that week, not how they perform all year long. Because some stories grew more as we got off the weeks and some stories just kind of shrunk and went away. Of course, you want to complain about this or compliment, hopefully more compliments than complaints. Email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. And as we say every single week, this podcast, this whole thing at the conversation project it's powered by you. You want to be a partner for 2021, help us get things off right, right, right this year or keep things going. Stop by thisistheconversation.com slash partnerships and see if there's a partnering solution for you. Otherwise, click on any link you see on any of our platforms. We get affiliate pay for any of those right there. And if you like this special one, make sure you tune in for this week's actual countdown for the last week of the year, first couple days of the year, and you will get a chance to subscribe to any of this stuff subscribe to this podcast and share with other people who are into great conversation now the part that i actually missed the most important part is how do these stories get ranked over the years and over the week 
It's very simple. You follow us on social media on a couple of different platforms. Facebook and Twitter allow the instant responses. So we use that to gauge what is the most conversational on Facebook. Look for this is a conversation. We're a blue speech bubble thing. And on Twitter, still blue speech bubble thing, but it's TH underscore conversation. What you do is you just as you check your normal feed stuff all day long, look and see what we have going on on our feeds. Look and see what's going on posted in the stories. About every 50 minutes, we probably post a brand new story. Like it, love it, hate it, share it, respond to it. The more engagement you give to a story, the higher the score gets in. Every single week, we go from Friday at midnight to Friday about 5 a.m., and we tabulate all the numbers. We put the Facebook and Twitter together, put a little bit of algorithm magic into it so we have one true score and go from top to bottom. Uh, Usually somewhere between 210 and 90 different stories based on our schedule for the week. And from there, we'll give you the top stories, the top 10 stories every week. I'll tell you what story barely missed and and what stories at the very bottom. We may do some changes. We will do some changes. We always do that. Changes to the format coming forward. In fact, we're trying to find a way to get back into our interview segment, the uh, playing the brackets game based on scheduling and timing. We're working on that because that made this a very, very more interesting, more intricate as well podcast. So right now, uh, enough uh, yakking, enough chattering. Make sure you follow us on social media so you can be a part of the votes every single week and technically for the year. This is what you guys said were the top stories for 2020. Yes, you said this, not me. You did. Starting number 15, a story posted on June 22nd, Monday, by the way. Uh, This story headline is Trump suspends H-1B, H-4 visas till end of year. This was a uh, big deal. And the main reason why this is a big deal, we'll get to a little bit later. But Donald Trump was on a tear on the America first and making sure that Americans had priority on everything including the fact that Americans had priorities on coming to America, if you will. Uh, There was a lot of talk about why he was against immigration, immigration in general, not necessarily legal immigration, which he said he touted, but essentially anybody who wasn't from here coming here. This caused a lot of chaos from people who were coming from poorer places like Mexico and Central America who were looking to take poor paying jobs. The people coming from pretty uh, influential places like um, India and China and places like that that were coming in and trying to uh, take some higher paying jobs. A lot of the higher paying tech jobs say they needed people with the technology skills that that needed H-1B visas and H-4 visas to come in to work on stuff because Americans couldn't keep up the load. And so Trump did a lot of blocking things on that. Now, there's also a lot of issues, according to we'll get to later in stories about coronavirus and making people traveling from other places a little bit dicey on its own. But this was essentially not an attack on keeping people safe from the virus, but an attack on keeping people out of the country. And no one knows Donald Trump's heart, but Donald Trump. So we can't explain exactly why he has that that platform. But we do know that it was a big deal to block out various blocks of people through, from coming into the United States in general. And this is one of the things that was really big. He suspended uh, the um, the visas for those people until the end of the year to see what would happen with the year over and the new administration coming in in a few weeks. We'll see how that happens. Chances are it'll stick around for much longer than anyone expects because these things aren't so easy to overturn. At number 14, posted on August the 28th, um, Friday, by the way, this story, uh, if it means anything, has a bump in response of 2.1% from the number 15 story. That's how much more responsive it is. How many more people engaged with it than the last story? Doesn't mean very much because these aren't really equal factors. But this is a story that was, um, I'm glad it made it in because it did mark 
a lot of, uh, of a lot of conversation at the time. And here's the headline. Lily, the AT&T girl, Melania Valtrub speaks out on recent social media tension. Here's the deal on this one. AT&T brought back Lily to their commercials. They brought her back um, actually fairly late, a couple months into coronavirus shutdowns and not having anything to do and not having any new things. A lot of advertisers went back to the well to get some old names or refresh some old names. One that's really of note that doesn't really apply to here is Jake from State Farm being a quote unquote new Jake from State Farm, but basically playing the old commercial to introduce the new guy and him growing on his own to do things there. AT&T brought back Lily from a few years back, who was the AT&T store girl who sold stuff and started with her working from home and, you know, being bored and having googly eyes and all the stuff in her house to make sure she's there. And it grew to larger as we got safer responses to how to deal with coronavirus, uh, grew to larger commercials where like the large ones, only three people in it. But essentially there were some where she's talking to people outside the door. She's talking to people behind glass, there's space and whatever. So all that's going on. But here's the reason why she had to speak out on this. This was a follow up to a story you put out because of what actually happened. Uh, uh, Melania Valtrub is a very attractive woman and um, let's say shapely for for kids versions of the story. And so because of that, uh, social media started going nuts on on Lily being back on TV and talking a lot about her boobs. That's essentially what it was. There's a lot of talk about her chest area, and it was just pretty much um, the locker room talk that we talk about that, that isn't actually locker room talk. It's pretty much just gross and sexist. There, I said it. So because of all the social media attention, which turned to a story about the social media attention, uh, Melania decided she needed to talk about that, and she basically had this very, very sobby, sad, and just depressing, not because it was depressing, but because she had to deal with it, response to all the responses she was getting on social media. And the good news is she's still doing AT&T commercials. They didn't drop her from anything because of what was going on. And maybe some people learn to keep their mouth shut or go into deeper subreddits on what's going on. But it's it's a testament to the times that um, we really, really, really don't know how to act right. We don't deserve nice things because we don't act right. This is one person making a living, doing what she's doing, just being a cute person on TV and being old over and not in any really weird way because all she's doing is wearing you know, a, 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 a shirt and, and slacks. It's not like she's selling phones wearing bikinis. She's just showing up. So this was something that I'm glad made it to this list because you got a chance to bring that out. But I'm not so happy that we have to deal with stuff like this here in this day and age. Of course, we're humans. We'll always deal with this type of stuff. But uh, just basically the platform, the megaphones that are out there are larger. At number 13, 1619 Project author Nicole Hannah-Jones now says she never implied that the year was America's true founding. We pulled that from Reason.com. Tuesday, September the 22nd is the date this one was posted out there. Uh, this gets a bumper response from the number 14 story of 0.37%, so not very much in the numbers-wise. Oh, by the way, the last three stories... All got about 2.2% ish of engagement, somewhere in that range between 2.23 and this one at 2.29% uh, of engagement in the entire year's worth of stuff. This one I'm going to go over very quickly because it's um, semi controversial and 
not so controversial. Here's what happened. The 1619 project was, of course, published in 2019 was or started in 2019. It basically went through a whole lot of time. People get into it was a project by Nicole Hannah Jones uh, for The New York Times that stated essentially the beginning of America in the beginning of America, as in the first time slaves were actually put on the land here in the United States or what would be the United States. 1619. In 1776, when the revolution began, and of course, uh, the actual founding of the United States years after the ending of the Revolutionary War, is a big jump in time. But a lot of the talk about 1619 Project has been essentially said uh, because there's a lot of, let's say, black thought popping up this year and, and, and things along those lines, basically said that the founding of America, because a lot of America's underground founding was based off of the economy of slavery essentially the beginning of america was 1619 when the first slaves actually arrived on land now, later on in the year or last year later on in the use of the 1619 project not so much after backlash because she took all the backlash she could but just sort of just towards the tail end of it being the, the more relevant thing going on uh, things were turning into social justice of now as opposed to 1619 she basically said that that was not her reason to make it like she was implying that 1619 was beginning of the founding of America. But a lot of the things she said and did and produced sure made it seem that way. So whether, like we said about Donald Trump, we don't necessarily know her heart. Maybe she did imply and was trying to trying to back out of it. Maybe she didn't quite imply it. And that's just the way things went. And then all of a sudden she realized that after some backlash and some compliments, some complaints. But she basically said towards an out towards the end of the year in December that that wasn't the point to say that she was the definitive answer on defensive voice on United States, America itself, beginning in 1619 with the slaves coming in. There's a lot of debate on back and forth on how right that may or may not be. But we can have the debate uh, anytime you want to offline. Email me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. We can talk about basically any story we're talking about this week or any story we talk about any week, anytime. Let's go to the story we have now at number 12. Cal Cunningham admits to sexual texts with California woman will stay in Senate race. Posted on Saturday, October the 3rd. This one gets a bump in response, a big one, by the way, of 19.59% from this. Basically, it's ranking from the other story below it. And took about 2.75% of the engagement for the entire year. Who is Kyle Cunningham and why do we care? Most of us don't necessarily care. Kyle Cunningham is a senator from California who uh, was having an affair with uh, a person who was not his wife. That's how affairs work. And what happened? They found some pretty racy, pretty, pretty dirty text between him and a woman that he was engaged with and engaged with that was not his wife. So we found this out in the middle of the election year, and that's usually a big thing for a person who uh, touts family values, Republican, by the way, touts family values and all those things, that he's stepping out with his wife, and, of course, somebody brought receipts. He vowed to stay in the Senate race to keep on going. I believe he did not win, but I don't have the updates to this one. We're doing this pretty bare bones this way, just going with the headlines, going through and going from memory. And so this was a semi-scandal with all these semi-scandals that went along for the year. Not even one of the bigger ones, to be honest. But Cal Cunningham, a congressman, or sorry, a senator from California, 
in his uh, Senate race, uh, found to be stepping on his wife with some extremely lewd text and said he was staying in the race. That's what happened. What else happened in 2020? Well, this story right here is a local story, really local to me, and I'm not sure why it made a big difference, but we posted it on the first of the year, January, the third of January to be exact, happened to be a Friday, so it was a late posting to get in there, and it lasted all the way to the end of the year at the number 11 spot, a bumper response of 18.99% and taking up 3.27% of the engagement of the year. Here's the story, or here's the headline. Little Rock radio personality Eric Sullivan fired after theft accusation. This was posted on our local uh, ABC affiliate, KATV.com, their website. And as I said, at the beginning of the year, for some reason, I guess I got a lot of love crossover from last Christmas into last New Year um, that people were locally were picking up on it. Or it was just the fact that it was there. It wasn't even that big of a story, seeming like in the community, except maybe it was an underground kind of chatter thing that was going on. Eric Sullivan is a radio personality that probably very few people know about, uh, but he was a popular, relatively popular personality here in Little Rock uh, for a couple years ago. He was on a sports station that's here that's been around for quite some time. And the what happened is just so weirdly ridiculous that it's, it's hard to even go into, but here it is. He was at a bar, a restaurant, and he pulled someone's credit cards out, and, and that was it. It got around video surveillance show that he pulled out credit cards from somebody's purse. That's happened. That was it. From there, he was fired from his job at one of three seven the buzz here in Little Rock, uh, doing afternoon drive. Um, or yeah, doing at, doing midday drive, midday not drive, doing midday time on the radio. Words aren't working so well at the end of the year, beginning of the year apparently. And that's it. It's 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 extremely small local story that got no national attention, as I can tell. I don't think it got very much attention in the radio trades, to be honest, because people get fired all the time. People get fired for really stupid things all the time. And unless they're big time market people with big time money, no one really pays that much attention to what's going on other than figuring out who fills into that slot. That was it. I'm, like I said, extremely, extremely surprised it it was that high when it came in and when I actually checked the date on it, how long ago it was. But it was a big deal, apparently, for you guys. So I don't know why exactly. If you want to tell me, just email me and let me know exactly how it is. At number 10, where we're used to being in top 10 territory, Philippines mall hostage, ex-security guard holds dozens of at Green Hills. Dozens at Green Hills. Sorry about that. Monday. The 2nd of March is when we posted this one. Bump in response of 0.59% from the last story. Covering about 3.29% of the responses engagement for the year. Here is uh, the quick deals on this one. Uh, Back in March, there was a hostage situation in the Philippines Mall. Very big, very crazy uh, breaking news type story. And here in the States, it's it's really, really hard to get one of those worldwide breaking news stories to actually stay on the Chirons for a long period of time. So we'll check into it, but it's hard to do those things. This is one of many that popped up over the year. There was, of course, um, or, or I'm, I might be getting my, my timelines confused. Of course, there was the, a lot of going, lot going on in 2019 um, before coronavirus shut people down and being, being open on Attacks in London and attacks in Germany, things like that. Last the Christmas before there, there was a lot of that going on. This happened in March, uh, and literally before 
things started shutting down around the world. So that might have made a difference for something like this. But a security guard who just was disgruntled and angry decided he was holding hostage a whole bunch of folks. And that's what happened. It was a, a day or so of a standoff. It was a pretty, like I said, a pretty big deal. Kept the Chiron up a long time for that weekend as it, as it went through. Uh, the whole thing. We didn't post it up until Monday, but I believe it, it started on Saturday to go through maybe Sunday as it is. But that's also a also a factor of just how international, how big stories that are really mean things mean to you guys out there. You guys respond very well to stories that are large enough around the world. I say large enough because we are U.S. focused, U.S. based, but are large enough to really make an impact, really mean something and really be conversational. So we thank you so much for that. Make sure we get more of those out there by just responding to those stories, going to thisisconversation.com and seeing what we have going up live. Or like we said, the way you actually get your vote in, follow us on social media. Look for us on Facebook at This Is The Conversation. And on Twitter, we are TH underscore conversation. At number nine, one of the sillier stories of the year, but it, it made a lot of impact because a lot of people were just scratching their heads. We posted it on January 22nd, a Wednesday, by the way. Uh, and this one got about 4.13% of the engagement over the past year. This one was also a very, very large Facebook responding story. So that's what helped it make its way into the top 10, top 15 more specifically, top nine right here. And the headline is Planters announces Mr. Peanut has died at age 104 ahead of Super Bowl. Now, if you remember the Super Bowl this year, this was still January and nothing really crazy was going on coronavirus wise, other than the fact that we knew of some weird virus thing happening in China at this point. Super Bowl madness and the ad craze that it brings was popping up as normal. And the Super Bowl ad for Mr. Peanut, at least the pre ads for Mr. Peanuts, uh, had this ad where Mr. Peanut is driving and my memory serves me. He's driving around with Samuel Jackson for some reason uh, is about to crash the peanut mobile and finds a way to save his friends, his, his famous friends who are in the peanut mobile with him, but crashes the car and he's pronounced dead. He was pronounced dead ahead of the Super Bowl. That was those were the ads rolling up to the Super Bowl to bring up all the drama, what they would do for a Super Bowl ad. What happened? He was reborn. He was a baby peanut, and baby nut was the trend for a while. And I think we all just sort of forgot about it. I think planters even forgot about it with all this stuff going on. They used this as a chance to get up. But that was the big deal. Uh, not necessarily the biggest ad for Super Bowl, but this was a big deal going into it is how they're going to hype themselves up. They literally killed Mr. Peanut, the character, who has been around for 104 years or had been around 140 years right before the Super Bowl, only to bring him back to life, sort of. And that is what we dealt with before COVID-19 craziness in 2020. At number eight, posted in July, July 24th on a Friday, by the way, this story got a bumper response of 19.26% from Mr. Peanut. 4.92%, uh, almost 5% of the engagement for the year, gives us John Travolta breaking from Scientology after death of Kelly Preston. This was a story that we pulled, at least the copy we pulled for, for some Daily Mail a website and is essentially just like that. Uh, Kelly Preston, um, John Tavolta's wife, died this year, and because of it or around it, there were there were questions about his his faith, for lack of a better word, and his faith allowed him to break. And it was in quotes there from Scientology after his wife passing. And essentially, 
he I don't think he's necessarily denounced Scientology, but he's not so much the big global face of it as he was before. He's not the big proponent or he's not the big cheerleader for it as it was. He basically broke away from being one of the faces of Scientology. In fact, there weren't too many faces of Scientology going on in the last year. There are still people who are really big into it and their issues they've, they've had in it. And of course, Scientology gets brought up every time they pop up. But no one was really out there, you know, professing love and enjoyment of the of the religion. We say that with a grain of salt. And Chandra Vulture decided not to be so vocal and so so prominent visually as a Scientologist going forward. I don't believe he has denounced it, uh, but breaking is kind of an air quotes way of saying he's not being so big into it. Let's move to the story at number seven. This one was posted on November 13th. So very late in the year. So they had a lot of chance to catch in. But this was a big, big deal. Posted it on a Friday. We posted on a Friday afternoon. The story kept around for a couple days as we got the details of it. Uh, This was the original headline that we posted. And this story actually gets a bump in response of 9.87%. Took about 4.51% of the engagement for the year. Major police operation underway at Ubisoft Montreal. And of course, we also have tagged in that one um, uh, that the, uh, the 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 follow up headline, which was police operations at Ubisoft Montreal was due to a hoax. This was one of the super stories of the year uh, the, that popped up this way. Super stories are when we update a story and we p- combine the numbers together for a larger story count. And that's how it got to be so big. But the, the, the initial response was going to guarantee it a number one spot that week. The update essentially just made sure that it was there by a, a good margin as opposed to a slimmer margin. And that is exactly what it is. The two headlines tell you exactly what happened. Police had to come out to Ubisoft Montreal's headquarters because they got a tip of some sort of bomb threat, some sort of major thing going to happen. People were going to go and die, essentially. There was some sort of major catastrophe happening or going to happen at Ubisoft Montreal, but it turned out to be a complete hoax and it was a complete hoax that one made it a national incident for the hours that was going on because it was a live thing in the middle of the afternoon on a Friday and two really 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 shows just how sick and twisted some of us were uh, in this past year especially in November as you know we're winding down on the year things are almost over and people are just kind of ready to get done with stuff. Uh, we're getting news of vaccines and news of better ways of handling things. And and we're here in the States around the 13th of November. We're preparing for Thanksgiving and people are already sort of grumbling about being told they can't go to hang out with family. And so while this is going on up in Montreal, somebody calls in a bomb threat at a pretty major spot in Montreal at a pretty um, vocal or I guess not so vocal, uh, a pretty visual spot in Montreal causes a big old mess it's not the first one of these there's plenty of these that happened this year but this is one of the biggest ones and it was a complete hoax nothing was going down this story is the top facebook story of the year and as i we say on the weekly uh, wrap-ups the actual weekly wrap-ups twitter response because it's so fast and so large and so quick usually drives what's in the top and facebook responses more or less 
helps rank things up and down. So so if you're a, a high ranking Twitter story, you're guaranteed to be in the top 10 for a week. It's just your Facebook response may fault you over one or two to make it a little big difference. This is a story that like um, other two stories we had here, I didn't mention that Lily uh, 18T girl story was a big Facebook response, but also was a big Twitter response. But the Facebook helped make it into the top 14 at number 14 this week and helping make it into the top 10 that week. The story at number nine, the planter story, was a fair, I say a fair Twitter response for a weekly response, but it was the massive Facebook response that made it into a top for the week and, of course, top in this countdown. This story had no chance whatsoever via the Twitter love because there wasn't much Twitter love for it. But the Facebook uh, response in this one is so massively insane uh, that it made it the number six story this week and one of my favorite stories of the year. 15.77% bump in response from the story at number seven and about 6.26% of the engagement for the year from April the 22nd, Wednesday, April 22nd. Virginia girl gets stuck in a washing machine during game of hide and seek. And that's it. A massively clever girl, a teenager who somehow fit herself into a washing machine, a, a, a regular washing machine that you load from the top while playing hide and seek with some cousins, found herself unable to get out of it, which meant the fire department had to come in and undo the washing machine and get the girl out of it. I'm not sure a real lesson was learned here, but it was a very, very, very interesting week when this is one of the top stories that you have out there. And this one was, like I said, Facebook jumped on this one and Facebook jumped on this one hard and fast and loved it. Um, no, no one was injured in this game of hide and seek other than some pride and you know maybe a warranty for a washing machine. But literally, some girl was playing hide and seek with her kid cousins, figured I could hide in this washing machine, nobody's ever going to find me, and realized she wasn't getting out that washing machine anytime soon. So... That's a really good one, a really funny one, and a really great one because no one actually got hurt in this incident. Story at number five, Dallas Cowboys strength and conditioning coach Marcus Paul dies at 54. We posted this on November 24th, Tuesday, by the way. It gets a bumpy response of 6.22 from the story at number six and took up 6.65% of the engagement for the year. This is a simple story. A very well-beloved coach for the Dallas Cowboys died at their training facility or had an incident at the training facility. No one's really cleared it up for the public on what exactly happened at the training facility. But essentially, he had some sort of a, a, a medical arrest, some sort of attack at the at this facility, was rushed to the hospital, put into a medically induced coma for a few days and eventually, eventually passed. And and what we have here, the headline we posted was, I'm not even sure if it was a headline from the actual when he passed or there was a day or two of confusion because he was in the medically induced coma that his family told the world, no, he isn't dead. He's in a coma. We're waiting to see what happens. So there was a couple of days of confusion on that one. That's what made this one a bigger story um, for the Dallas area. It was a big deal for NFL football watchers it was a big deal but for the world it just the the air of mystery of what happened no one would say what happened no one really has said what happened at this point at all and the fact that they listed him as a man died at the facility today they first want to make sure it wasn't covid related uh and tend to no he's not dead 
yes, he's actually dead. It was that was what made it a little unnerving and probably made it more interesting to make it so high for the year. Another very tragic story, which we don't have an update on. Florida's Keontae Johnson is in critical but stable condition after collapsing on the court and being taken to the hospital. We posted this one not very long ago on December the 12th, uh, Saturday, basically as it happened. This one gets a 47.07% bump in response from the story at number five. 9.79% engagement for the year on a story we literally posted weeks ago. What happened? Florida, University of Florida basketball star Keontae Johnson, one of the top um, stars in, in the nation, uh, has uh, he, he basically collapsed on the floor during a game uh, early in the season, very early in the season. And what made it even more difficult to do, they took him to the hospital and they put him in a medically induced coma hours after the incident. Uh, like I said, this is weeks old and I, we didn't get an update on this one fairly soon into actually producing this the, in the in the weekly wrap-up. And so I don't have an update based here. As I said, we didn't go deep into the research. We basically put out the headlines. We're going from memory. Uh, but this was a very sad thing because this is one of those breaking news as it happens, things that just took off quickly. Uh, no one would think that a basketball star, a college basketball star, uh, would bring up that sort of attention as it went. But it was a big deal as a lot of people literally watched it happen uh, in real time. And then it turned into a big sports thing and then to a big breaking news thing. This next story is one that we could have really super story to make sure it was number one because we had a lot of these things happening in the last couple of months. Uh, but we went with the top one that was there. We didn't try to search out all the other ones to go too deep in this one. Uh, we didn't post this one as it well. Let me say we posted many super stories around this topic because a lot of we did some updates here and there. But the big thing was as it broke and then as more information came out. I was reluctant to put out the original one because I didn't think anybody would think about it. I was reluctant to put out any updates because I didn't think anybody think about it. But every time I put it out there, it's just like a Kardashian story or last year when we had a lot of dead porn star stories. You put the story in there, people pick up on it. Yes, two years ago, there was a lot of stories, a lot of porn stars basically dying every other week, if not every week in some cases. But that's history, past history, current history we're working with. Caleb, uh, celebrity pastor Carl Land's wife is also fired over her husband's affair. Now, as we said, there's a plenty other super story things we could attach to that one, but we used this headline here, and we'll go deeper into the story. Posted on November the 9th, bumped response of 21.8% from just that one headline, uh, 11.85% of the engagement from this, this one headline, but the entire saga that was the Hillsong saga uh, was nuts. And, um, and, and and let me get into it. Hillsong Church is a church, a real church that was founded in Australia and then essentially franchised to various places around the world, including right here in the good old U.S. Hillsong Church is a movement that does a lot with feeling and music and making large grand performances like concert like performances that are more performance than church, although there's churchy songs in the performances. The pastor of the church, Carl Lenz, because of the big performancey thing, because of the way they have engaged and brought in a lot of celebrities to the church, you know, sometimes kind of weak, weaky church can bring in a lot of folks who are looking for the lovey-dovey stuff but don't want to go deeper into it. I can complain about, about church doc- doctrine all day. 
But Carl Lenz essentially was having an affair with someone who was not his wife. We've talked about that earlier in Countdown. He, she told the guy he was some sort of something else. And so he had some other fake thing. But he pretty much looked like the goofy-looking, super extra poppy guy that would hang out with Justin Bieber and folks like that. He looked like a, yeah, well. So he, he, he got caught in this affair. He's the head of this big major church operation, which means you can't get caught in affairs. His wife also worked for the church, and because the husband got fired for having affairs, which is one thing you can't do if you're the pastor of church, although they, a lot of them do that, wife got fired as well. And then a big unraveling of some of the backdrop of the church, which also falls in line of one of my biggest uh, tenets that I tell people to never meet their heroes and now it's never meet people from the hero organizations because they are also frauds as well. Um, there's a whole lot of talk. And, and, and if you go deeper into it, it sounds an awful lot like Scientology, where people at the top, people on the celebrity level, you know, people who are vocal and people who are um, visual uh, get a chance to show the good, the glossy, the extra stuff hanging out with celebrities. And apparently Carl Lenz was more into hanging out with celebrities and mostly the the resources he gained from that and the ability to, for some reason, have lots of affairs over a long period of time because those happens as well. And many people who were just in the organization or many people on lower levels of the day-to-day operations found themselves doing a lot of really sucky jobs for very little, very little pay and very little assurance that their faith and their dedication really meant anything other than to make the famous people look more famous. That's the real story behind this. The fact that, although it should not be surprising, a church was a front for a really just some sort of big grift. And I'm not going to say that Hillsong Church did not have people who were dedicated in the top levels, the top echelons to make it actually be a big global church. But at some point when things become a business and churches, I've worked with churches, become part part of the, the role, even though they are nonprofits and have tax statuses not or have you know various tax statuses that keep them from from having to to from pay a lot of taxes i'll say the tax exempt statuses they are businesses they have to operate in the black or they they don't operate and so the ways that some of them operate in the black are a bit sketchy this one a larger one no one is surprised that large organizations can be bad or be corrupt or be odd but the fact that this one went so long with so many things being uh, held back is the surprise part. And the whole unraveling came from there's always one guy who just goes a little too far. And he went a little too far, waved too many times. They got caught in a lie and the other woman decided to just expose him. And well, there you go. At number two, Jamal Murray had what appeared to be a sex tape show up in his Instagram stories. March 22nd, Sunday, by the way, 19.42% bump in response from the number three story and 14.16% engagement on the story for the year. Why are we talking about Jamal Murray? We don't have any real reason to talk about him. He's a you know decent basketball player in, in the NBA, making good money, doing good things. But for some reason, he had some sort of sex tape looking thing pop up in his feed for his Instagram stories. And it stayed there for about a day and a half. Until it was taken out. I don't believe there was any explanation given or any apologies given. So I'm, I'm not asking for an apology. But it was a big deal on the moment we posted in there because people were somehow engaged in either Jamal Murray or or sex tapes. 
that's really a simple story, a very simple story, just like that. Superstar, a famous person, uh, had a sex tape of not something leaked, but something on his own feed because he pressed the wrong share button, apparently. And the number one story usually gets a big fanfare event. And we're going to do that slightly in this, this sense, but we've been doing that most of the time for all these stories here. Uh, but this is the number one story because it needs to be the number one story. This is just one headline we pulled. We actually super storied a bunch of these things here. And there are other headlines that could make this thing outlandishly big. Like we said, not quite scientific. This was just based on what they pulled out for the week and we shifted them down. An engagement of 20.64%. Uh, this story, this headline here and stories like this took up 20% or one-fifth of all the chatter inside of the podcast, inside of the new, the news feed, inside the website this year. And this one gets a bump in response from this headline of 54, 45, I'm sorry, 45.77%. So almost you know, almost half of that goes into going this top story. This was a super humongous Twitter story all year long. Super wrong story all year long, everywhere you went to, because yeah, at this point, if not 90%, at least 80% of all newscasts have something covering this in some way. And it's hard to get creative at this point, but they are doing it because it's still top of mind. Coronavirus, Italy towns locked down after COVID spreads, two deaths. And this was just what was posted in February, February the 2nd, the 22nd, I should say. On a Saturday, by the way, when Italy went major and started locking things down because of two deaths and just a high spread of the of the disease. As you would know, a month later, the world would start shutting things down. A few weeks after this, travel would start shutting down and all sorts of chaos would happen in the ripple effect of shutting down nations, shutting down the world, shutting down economy, shutting down travel, shutting down everything. There's literally no need to go into the story of coronavirus because Unless you've been living under a rock for quite some time. And if you are, you're pretty much the only person who is safe from this thing. You know the impact of coronavirus or COVID-19, which we later found out because we Americans aren't so bright. Called COVID-19 because it was found in 2019. It was first found in China, the region of Wuhan, uh, in the later part of 2019. Uh, January was when the first or I'm sorry, December is when the first notions that the world heard of this thing. And in January of the next year, 2020, the real world, that's us non-scientific people, found out information of this thing going on in China. And then things just sort of went crazy from there once they figured out it wasn't just in China. Uh, and and you couldn't just, uh, um, just quarantine people forever and keep it safe. Once we found out that it was in the States and people who hadn't been anywhere outside of the States, no travel to ever had the coronavirus that the essentially the, the global spread, the, the, the population spread was already out there. At that point, we knew it wasn't much we can do about it except try to limit it. Of course, we limited engagement with people. We wore masks. We do all sorts of things. We check our temperatures. I'm not sure if that really helps. But right now we're living with essentially a year's worth of time since we heard about this virus. It was basically the end of December uh, of 2019 into what's right now, the beginning of January 2021. We've got about a year and a few weeks, if you want to count it that way, of knowledge of this virus, brand new virus. And right now, we're dealing with new variants, things that happen in the, these things. As viruses, they change, they grow, they mutate, they get stronger, they get weaker based on their conditions. 
a newer version right now, a newer variant, which is easier to catch, but not so much easier to not 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 harder to kill is out there. What does easier to catch mean? No one really knows. It just means you still have to mask up and wash hands, but it's easier for you if you get exposed to it to actually contract symptoms to the virus. This is a scary thing. This is a very scary thing. And it's just amazing that we as humans, we as Americans here in the States, have survived this thing with with all the weird conditions and the weird uh, just just lifestyle things have happened so far. Of course, as time goes on, there is fatigue and a lot of people are just tired of dealing with it. So they're just going to give up and throw their hands up and kind of live with it. Uh, there's so many other things that have been said about it. People wanted to essentially just wander around and touch as many people as possible and get everybody sick off the bat so that we get through this virus thing instantly. Obviously, that was not a great idea. And a good thing we didn't do that because of the actual conditions, actual seriousness of the illness and the unpredictability of it. It's not like the flu. Yes, people die of the flu, but it's not like the flu where you can, uh, even before vaccines, you can take some sort of vaccination or you can kind of rest up. And in most cases, you won't die. Even if the, the amount of cases of people dying from it is technically extremely low scientific number, the people who get the coronavirus deal with the symptoms of this for quite some time. Some people uh, have, after months of dealing with minor symptoms, still have ref- respiratory um, issues, issues uh, just, just in general, dizziness, things like that, that are, are horrible to have to go on. You think you're a totally healthy person. You get this one little virus. You deal with it, uh, maybe a minor issue, a, a degree of it for a couple of weeks. And when the flu is usually done within about a week, uh, you, you, some people have been hospitalized for months at a time and then from getting out of the hospital still can't function on in general area for months at a time. This is going to be the top story or the top story weaving into a lot of things for the next upcoming year. We're going to probably post less coronavirus headlines, but when we do post them, there will be definitely ones that are big ones to take on. Like we said, one of the mottos of the podcast and of this conversation project is to try to get as many of the non-Chiron stories. Those are stories I like to think of as if you're watching a cable news network, the Chiron is the thing at the bottom of the screen where the words are that tell you what the stories are, who the people are talking about. If it's on a Chiron, that means they took enough time to produce a story on it. And if it's all the stories they produce deal with coronavirus, then it is what it is. It was sort of a joking idea because the background behind the conversation project was there's so many stories that you get stuck talking about all day long. If you watch news or listen to news or keep up with news all day long, it's essentially updating the same stories and it's playing the hits, if you will. So if Donald Trump does something silly in the morning, you, and it's going to cause ripple effects. It's going to take a couple hours to deal with it. And then he does something silly in the middle of the afternoon. You add that on. And so a lot of stories in big time politics and a lot of Trump stuff in the last couple of years have been essentially the same story over and over again for 16 hours at a time with small details as to different people who've weighed in on the situation. Until coronavirus is gone, which is going to be never, this will always be a situation. Until coronavirus is is settled, taken care of, you say, which will be a while, still be a very serious situation. Right now, there's so many issues involving the vaccines themselves and still being safe and what to do about it. And the extension of people who are dealing with loss, loss of life, loss of family and loss of income and loss of status because of what's going on, that it's going to be a big deal for quite some time. 
So we will keep talking about coronavirus. And when it pops up, it will pop up. And we're definitely guaranteed to see this be big time stories every single week going forward for the Conversation Project. And this is the conversation. But for now, this has been the year in review, the yearly wrap up from this is the conversation and the Conversation Project featuring Jay Cleveland Payne. And we want to thank you so much for spending time for this special edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, either this long form or the weekly forms, um, we appreciate all the love and all the support you give to us. Listening is the most important thing. And, you know, everyone can't be a partner. Everyone can't be a big time supporter. And we understand it. So listening is the most important thing. Just make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss out on episodes. Make sure you are subscribed to our feeds on Facebook and or Twitter. Both are great. TH underscore conversation on Twitter, and this is a conversation on Facebook. We're going to make this as easy as possible for people to find, get people into these conversations in the next upcoming year. We have a lot of big ideas and plans we have for the conversation project. It just takes a little bit of time, a little, whole lot of effort and resources. If you want to be a part of those resources, go to thisisaconversation.com slash partnerships. That will allow you a chance to literally partner up with us directly, and we'll give you plenty of accolades and plenty of things going forward as we intend to make this thing a bigger deal going forward in 2021. As I said, subscribe to the podcast. We're pretty much everywhere you can find your podcast and let us know where to find us. Email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Let me know what I can do to help you out news wise or in general. In the meantime, we've talked for about an hour for this thing. So that's probably an hour more time that you're not getting back. So hopefully the time you spent with me on this podcast was definitely worth it, whether you are a partner or just a drive-by listener. We will do more of these things going forward, more of these yearly things. We'll, I guess we'll see you in a year for that. But in the meantime, we have been working, whenever you pick up this podcast, on the next upcoming weekly wrap-up. We're working on it 24 hours a day. We're posting stories in the middle of the night every 50 minutes on our page. We've got that going. If you want to see what happens throughout the week, on what stories are the most conversational, what stories aren't on Chiron, what stories Wolf Blitzer would like to talk about, but he's got to talk about Trump all day. Well, check out our podcast. We'll give you an idea of what you think the most conversational stories for the week and apparently for the year. As we wrap up this yearly wrap up and prepare for more weekly wrap ups with Jake and Payne. I will talk to you whenever I talk to you.